We're going to study tonight a famous tshuva of Rav Yitzchel Khan Inspector. When, when someone hears Rav Yitzchel Khan Inspector in the context of Pesach, there is a famous position of his com- that comes to mind, and that is his lenient view regarding kidneyos derivatives, shaman kidneyos, oils produced from kidneyos, peanut oil, and so on. Matter of fact, someone in the community posted about it on our email list recently. It is, it is indeed a famous tshuva, although not everyone agrees to it. So we're going to discuss tonight a pair of tshuvas of Rabbi Yitzchel Inspector on the subject of kidneyos that are, that are relevant both to the specific case he was discussing, as well as having broad ramifications for the law of kidneyos in general on Pesach. Rizvolchan Inspector, one of the great poskim of the greatest poskim of Lithuania, was of course one of the outstanding poskim of his time, the, one of the Gedole Hadar. He was also famously very, very lenient. As we may have mentioned before, Rav Shlomo Yosef Zevin, in his intellectual biography of Rizvolchanan, talks about how he was a great communal leader and his tremendous empathy, his tremendous chesed, his, his tremendous concern for. Kalal Yisrael was manifest in his public persona as a leader. Beyond that, he says, let's discuss his halacha. Let's discuss his halachic rulings. Rav Zevin says he's not sure if you're allowed to say that a person's personal qualities, his midas, have a major effect on his psak halacha. But he says the fact is that Rav Yitzvah Hanan was a tremendous mekel, particularly in areas like Aguna allowing women to remarry when their husbands were missing. He, he quotes some numbers. He says he has, you know, like about 100, 100 tshuvas and aguna. And these were the hard ones, the ones that came all the way up to him, the ones that couldn't be handled by uh, the ones that weren't open and shut cases. And he was makil in virtually every one of them, about 97% he was makil. Rav Zevin, Rav Zevin is a Lubavitcher chassid, so he says, he quotes from, from Kabbalah, Kabbalistic sources, that the Mukubalim tell us that Beishama and Beishilel Beis Hillel is typically lenient. Beis Shammai traditionally, typically more stringent. Mukubalim tell us that the, the root of the soul of Beis Shammai is from the Midah of Gvura, of Din, of strictness, and the root of the soul of Beis Hillel was from the Shoresh of Chesed. Rav Zevin says, it seems our Vizlal Khanan's soul was huge from the root of Chesed. So basically, with a Kabbalistic Hasidic veneer, he does try to suggest what a lot of modern scholars may sometimes somewhat provocatively suggest, that a, that a posseik's personality does have a certain effect on his halacha. Halacha is not, as some have argued, a purely mechanical, soulless, uh, value-neutral endeavor. Uh, a, person's, uh, a person's persona, a person's personality does have some effect on his halacha. The tshuvas we're going to discuss tonight, a pair of them on the same topic. His first one the, one, the one we alluded to earlier, is actually famously lenient, where he allowed kidneyos derivatives. His second one is actually a stringency. And on the same topic, he actually has a significant stringency. We'll see that uh, when we get to it. So without further ado, let's discuss his tshuva. Now, Ritzel Hanan, as I said, is famous for being lenient about kidneyos oil. oil pr- oils produced from different types of beans and whatnot, sesame, that would be considered peanuts today, that would be considered kidneyos, but he was lenient because the derivative of kidneyos is not awesome. The tshuva we're discussing tonight is not actually about oil, it is actually about alcohol. Alcohol was a huge thing for, for the achronim. 
We've discussed other chuvas in the past about questions about kashrus of alcohol for Pesach all year. Rabbi Salchanan's chuva was actually about alcohol, about a type of liquor. There were actually many chuvas in the Achronim of that period, of the latter half of the 19th century, the 20th century, that actually were about kidneyous oil. Rabbi Salchanan's chuva, the one that is widely quoted, is not, has nothing to do with oil, it is about liquor. Again, the, the point of the, the logic of the chuva would apply, everything he says, as far as I can see, would apply to oil as well. He was not actually discussing oil. The one reference I found where he directly discusses oil was in Yerushalayim in 1895 and a decade or so later in uh, 1909 or so. There were, there were a pair of great controversies about kidneyous oil, sesame oil. In the second one, Rav Cook was, uh, was, was a major protagonist. Rav Cook was lenient. And the Haredim in Yerushalayim, the Eid Haredis, was very strict. And there was a tremendous and bitter argument about it. In the, in, the course of the, in the course of that argument, in the course of the first argument in 1895, so there was, some of the argument took place in the pages of the newspapers, Chavatzelet and others, and there were those who quoted, there was an article that said, Arisal Hanan was Matir Shemen Kitnius. I don't know, I have not been able to find a primary source for that, although again, it's in line with the Chuvu we're going to see tonight, in which he permits alcohol, liquor produced from some kind of kidneys. So let's take a look at his chuva. Nishalti meharbe rabbanim. I have been asked, Rabbi Salchanan says, by many rabbanim regarding yayin saruf, liquor, made from retzka, shakarun grika, some type of kidneys, widely referred to by the Ashkenazi Achronim. Imyesh heter l'shtosim bepesach. Are you allowed to, to consume, to drink, such liquor on Pesach, or is it a kidneys problem? Chayadam is stringent. The question is, is there room for leniency? So Rabbi Tzolchanan has a long tshuva where he approaches the question from numerous different angles. The first portion of his tshuva deals with the question of whatever these type of kidneys were, they weren't the sole ingredient commonly in this liquor. They were a partial ingredient. So what if, so apparently that this liquor also had, was made of honey, a kind of med or something like the meat or something like that, where it was made at least partly of honey. So the question is, if most of it is honey and only a little bit is, is kidneyos, is it mutter? There is a general rule that, there is a general rule that kidneyos is batzal barov. Kidneyos is, we're very lenient with mixtures of kidneyos. If you have a, uh, if you have a mixture that's mostly kosher for Passover, and, a, and, a, and some kidneys gets mixed in, that is mutter. I was discussing with my wife, we were actually uh, quite struck by the fact that there were actually many poskim who allow food that was prepared in kidneys pots as well. We would all treat such a pot as chametz stick, but there actually are poskim who allow, certainly bidyevet, and some even lechatchila, to allow the consumption of food that was cooked in a kidneys pot. Kidneys is much, much more lenient than chametz itself. It's, it's more lenient than standard Isser Vahetar as well. Chametz, real Chametz, were much more strict than Isser Vahetar. Chametz, even Amashu was Asr, at least on Pesach, even a tiny amount. No Sintam Lufgam, even if it doesn't taste good, we Asr on Pesach. Uh, Kidneos is the other extreme. Not, not only is it, does it not have the special stringencies of Chametz, it even is much more lenient. It's Batal Barov and Blios, according to some posts, Kimam Rutter. So, Rizal Khanan therefore, is inclined to rule that rove kidneyos is sufficient. He brings that the Nishmas Adam, who was the original one, who was machmer here, was machmer even for 
even for a miut of kidneyos, because a vidal taima was important for taste, and so on. So in certain cases, even a minor ingredient, minor in terms of quantity, is a problem if it is designed to give taste and imparts taste to the food. Jerusalem Khanan goes on at some length, but he says the first, the first phase of his tshuva, which we're not going to enter into too deeply, he says that if most of the, the base of this liquor is honey, is not kidneyos, then it is mutter. How much is rove? So in English, when we say the majority of something, we mean 51%. In halacha, there's actually a debate. When, when we invoke the principle of rov, you often hear the, the ratio of two to one. When you have a basin of three dayanim, we say two against one. Or if you have uh, three pieces of meat that, that get mixed together and one of them is tray, if you don't know which one is which, post can talk about two verse one. But what about a taruvus where it's not two to one? It's not a ratio of 66 to 33. What about a ratio that's only 51% to 49? Is that considered rov? That's actually a discussion in Machlokas of the Poskim. Rizal Khanan says the Ikar, he quotes Achronim in Yeridea and the laws of Taruvas. The Ikar is that a simple majority, as it were, a simple majority of more than 50% is considered rove. And therefore, with regard to this liquor, as long as the ingredients that make up the liquor, more than 50% of them are not kidneyos, that is mutter, and everything is fine. So that's the first phase of his tshuva, which, again, we're not going to go into in too much depth. He says, certainly, if the liquor is made primarily of other ingredients by a simple majority, simple, uh, more than 50% test, that's fine. The rest of the tshuva deals with the question that we've introduced before. What is the halacha if the liquor is made entirely of kidneyos? Rizal Khanan says he would be lenient about that as well. He would say that... That liquor is okay also, even though we don't have any issue of rove, we're not relying on rove, kidneyos derivatives is go, in this context is going to be mutter as well. Why? So in order to understand his logic, which he reiterates and, and, and uh, doubles back on throughout the tshuva, we have to understand a little bit of the basis and history of the minhag of the gzera of kidneyos. Kidneyos is an ancient uh, gzera, it goes back about a thousand years to the early medieval period at least, where various communities, largely in Ashkenaz, had the custom to avoid kidneyos on Pesach. Now, there's no question that it's mutar meikra din. The Gemara is very clear. Only the five species of grain are, can become chametz. Only they can be used for matzah. Only they can become chametz. Other grains, rice and so on, can, beans cannot become chametz, are mutar to eat them on Pesach. As a matter of fact, in Dafyomi last week, we had, the Gemara talks about the, the Minog to have two tafshilin, to have two cooked foods on the Seder plate. We typically do a piece of meat, roasted meat, we call that the zroa, and it's, it's supposed to be a zroa, part of the arm of an animal, and an egg, a cooked egg. But the Gemara actually brings different customs, and one of them was rice. One of them, a rhyme, would actually have rice on a Seder plate. The rice is mutter. Rice is not osra and pesach. Now, in the... I, I have an ongoing joke with my wife this year where, as we discussed in, in other shiurim, there's a major machlokas about the chameshes minei dagon. Everyone agrees that wheat and barley are the first two. It's largely agreed that spelt and rye are, are the next two. The, the question is the fifth one, shibola shuol. Some, some rishonim understood it to mean, ra, to, to mean oats, which is what it means today. Other rishonim understood it to mean a kind of barley. And according to those we shown him, oats is not actually the chameshes minei dagon. Oats would be kidneyos, and oats would be mutter on Pesach. 
So as my wife is cleaning for Pesach and muttering about finding granola crumbs, I tell her, granola, you know, it's not so bad. According to some Rishonim, it's not really chametz, it's only kidneyos. My wife gives me a horrified look. Simcha talks about doing the Tilos Yadayim and oatmeal on Pesach, which we point out to him. We, we point out, but uh, certainly many Rishonim and virtually all contemporary poskim are machmer, l'chumra at least, that oats is chametz, and I'm certainly not encouraging any leniency with regard to oats. But the point is, the definition of chametz is quite narrow. Only the five grains are chametz, kidneyos, all other types of grains and beans, legumes. Legume is a, is a great word. I have never heard it in the world used in any context other than kidneyos, but apparently it's an authentic English word that means kidneyos. So, so the kidneyos are mutter on Pesach, Medina de Gemar. But there's an ancient Ashkenazic custom that developed about a thousand years ago that many communities were machmer for kidneyos. Many, many Rishonim thought this custom was ridiculous. They said, we don't make up our own Isurim. Why on earth would you forbid kidneyos? There were, however, many Rishonim who defended the custom. And the Rishonim who defended it gave several reasons. Rabbi Salachan Inspector give, works with two, two reasons. Throughout his tshuva, he deals with two reasons for the minhag to forbid kidneyos. One of them is that the, the kidneyos were often contaminated with grain. They grew, they, grew, they grew near each other in the sacks they used, whatever it was. The kidneyos in the real world were often contaminated with some grain. Even if you say you would try to sift them and sort them and purify them, it's very, very difficult. It's like trying to find a grain of wheat in a kidneyos stack. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's hard to do. And therefore, they were machmer. Pesach were very strict. They were machmer that maybe there's a tiny amount of grain in the kidneyos. The other, the other major reason is that an entirely different reason that people would get confused. If people saw you making bread and cakes out of, out of bean flour, out of chickpea flour, whatever, they would say, that, wait a second, uh, that looks like flour. I'm going to go home and do that too. I'm going to bake some, some Pesach cake as well out of flour. They're not going to realize that flour is kidneyos flour. They're not going to distinguish between, between kidneyos, or not just flour, but between porridges and other things, daisa. People are going to get confused between kidneyos flour and regular flour, and therefore they forbade everything because they felt that it would lead to people getting confused and eating chametz on Pesach. So these are the two reasons. So Rabbi Salchanan argues that in his case, with some proper precautions, neither of these reasons would apply. We can avoid both these reasons. Why? So Rabbi Salchanan begins with a begins with a, uh, with a sharp question, an incisive question. He says, incidentally, by the way, I keep saying Rabbi Salchanan, that there's a tradition, I think, particularly among Litvish, Lithuanian, Gedolim, they're often referred to by their first name. Rav Moshe, Rav Moshe is Rav Moshe Feinstein, Rav Yashaber is uh, Rav Salvechik, is Rav Yashaber to many of his Talmidim. It's a tradition, I think, that's particularly common in, um, you find it first name among some other Gedolim also, Chacham Ovadia is Rav Yosef, but particularly among the Litvish, it is very common. Rav Chaim is Rav Chaim Salavechik. It's particularly common to refer to many. Nobody ever refers to Rikiv Eger as Rav Akiva, or nobody ever refers to the Chasim Sofer as Rav Moshe, but particularly among Lithuanian Yudelim of the last century and a half, it is fairly common to refer to them by their first name, with, a, with an honorific in front, of course. So I, I find it natural to just say Rav Yisrael That's what he's commonly called. So he says, he, has, he begins with a very incisive question. He says, there's an explicit halacha that if some of your grain 
began to sprout. It came in contact with water, apparently, and the, the wheat began to, to sprout and grow. That's considered chametz. Those wheat kernels are chametz. So you have to get rid of them. You have to separate them out and uh, clean your, your wheat of the mitzumachim, of the nitzmachim, of the wheat that has begun to sprout. But you're allowed to do that. We trust you. You're allowed to say, go through the wheat carefully and pull out all the, pull out all the bad ones and eat the rest of them. So I don't understand. When it comes to kidneyos, we're worried maybe you're going to miss a, a, a needle of wheat in the haystack of kidneyos. And when it comes to wheat, all the wheat's all wheat. They, they all look pretty similar, and some of them have sprouted. We're not worried that you're going to miss some wheat in the miss some bad wheat amid, amidst the whole pile of good wheat. Where, where, where are our priorities? Why are we not Why are we not at all concerned about that case? He says, and we're so worried about kidneyos and wheat. What, what's the difference? So he says that the pshat is like this. The pshat is, Chazal were not worried that you would miss a large quantity of wheat. The Chazal were not worried that you would be oblivious to, let's say, 3% of wheat in your kidneys. Such a large quantity, assuming you have some basic Yerushalayim and you pay attention, you're not going to miss such a large quantity of wheat. So to miss, to miss uh, more, than, more than 1 out of 60, to miss a ratio that's so high that you have more than 1 60th of wheat, you're certainly not going to miss. What Chazal were concerned about was that you're going to miss one, one needle in the kidneyous haystack. One needle of chitim, one chita you're going to miss. Two chitim you're going to miss. Two out of a thousand, two out of a million. That much, you're not perfect. You're not a malach So that much you can miss. But uh, more than more than one sixtieth, you're not going to miss. Therefore, Rabbi Tzalchanan says, so there is a rule that even though on Pesach, chametz is asr b'mashahu, before Pesach, chametz is batal b'shishim. You're cooking before Pesach, you're baking matzah before Pesach, a little bit of chametz falls in, it is batel, you don't have to worry about it. Now, if only things would be that simple, things would be a lot easier. The problem is, there is a doctrine called choser v'neir. That means that even if something is batel before Pesach, there is an opinion of some poskim, that just means you could eat it ere Pesach. But once Pesach comes... Then we say, we reapply the, the new strict standard of Pesach, that even a mashu is, is not batel, and then you have a problem. So the idea of being batel before Pesach would be of relatively limited utility, because the whole, the whole relevance of chametz is on Pesach, and on Pesach it becomes chozer it becomes asur again. We paskin, however, that there is a distinction. Lach balach, when things are liquids, you mix, uh, you're mix. you making a batter and you mix in some, some chametz dough gets mixed into the, the batter of the, of the matzah, the dough of the matzah, that's all liquids. If, it's, if a mashu falls in, it stays batel on Pesach, and we do not say chozer v'neir. Now the idea of lach balach, of liquids together, applies even to flour, according to many poskim. If different flours get mixed together, that's okay. So whenever you take your kidneyos and you grind them up and you process them and make a cake out of it, a dough out of it, you make liquor out of it, if you reach the point that the, that the individual kidneyos have individual possible wheat inside them, have no independent existence, they're all homogeneously mixed together, at that point we say it's not chozer However, if you have a tub of beans, you have a bag full of chickpeas, you have something like that, and some of them are chametz, even, even if it's only one in a thousand, some of them are wheat, which could be chametz. Even, even though before Pesach, it's batel, one, it's batel once you have less than a 60th of wheat. But on Pesach, because they retain their, their own distinct heterogeneous identity, we say they're chozer v'neir and they become aser. Therefore, Bitzel Khanan says, when it comes to kidneyos, you want to eat a bag of peanuts on Pesach. No can do, because the peanuts might contain one or two wheat kernels, which have become chametz. 
And even if it's only one in a thousand, you carefully sorted through them, it's only one in a thousand, you want to eat rice on Pesach. So maybe there's a couple of grains of wheat that you missed when you carefully sorted them through. Those, those wheat can be, are, are chamit, and, you, and all, the grains, all the grains in there have their individual identity. They, they haven't become a homogeneous mixture. Every grain has its own distinct identity. Therefore, if there's any wheat that's chametz, we're going to say chazer v'neir. However, when it comes to making doughs, when it comes to making liquor or oil, presumably, then we say, as long as you have a complete, completely homogeneous mixture before Pesach, nothing is, and it's all batel because you, you've, assured, you, you, you've ensured that there's less than 1 in 60 of wheat, everything is batel, it's all considered lach balach, it's a completely homogeneous mixture, and it is not chazer v'neir on Pesach. That's why wheat, which is typically made into bread, we don't usually eat wheat, we have some cereals, we do that today, but typically wheat was made into bread. Therefore, the Chacham said, no problem, if you have some bad wheat, some chametz wheat, just sort it out, because even if you miss some, as long as you're grinding up the wheat and making it into flour and making it into matzah before Pesach, there's no problem, because it's all homogeneous, it's all lach balach, so it's not chazer Kidneyos, which were typically consumed independently, as, as, uh, without becoming a homogeneous mixture, there, chazal wachot, there the cham wachoshesh, that the chametz in the, 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 the wheat that becomes chametz in the kidneyos is chazer v'neir on Pesach, and therefore it is oser. According to this, Ritz Lachanan says, it follows that when you make liquor out of the kidneyos, kidneyos usually are eaten in their independent form, where there's chazer v'neir, but if you make the kidneyos into liquor, the liquor certainly is lach balach, then nothing has a distinct identity in the liquor. So as long as the liquor has been produced before Pesach, there is no chazer v'neir. So as long as you check the kidneyos thoroughly to make sure that whatever wheat is there is vanishingly small, it's certainly less than 1 in 60, as long as you go through the painstaking, tedious but painstaking process of, making, of checking your kidneyos to make sure that there's less than 1 in 60 of wheat, then it's mutter to make liquor out of it, because even if there was a little bit of wheat, which we, we assume there might be, it is bottle before Pesach, and even though on Pesach we sometimes say chauzer v'neir, we don't say chauzer v'neir with respect to lach balach, with respect to a completely undifferentiated homogeneous mixture like liquor, and therefore the liquor is mutter. So now we've taken care of the first concern of kidneyus, the concern of maybe there's a little bit of wheat contaminating the kidneyus. Second concern, that if we allow kidneyos, people will think that, oh, I can eat porridge, I can eat a mess of, uh, some mess of whatever it is, some ground up mushy stuff, so I can make uh, par- oatmeal also. Cesarevitz Elchanan, he comes up with a new idea now. He brings a Gemara in Sukkah, the Gemara is talking about a whole different context, nothing to do with Pesach, having to do with Sukkot. The context is the Xeris Tikra. The halacha is, Chach can be made out of anything that grows from the ground. So you can have two-by-fours, you can have roofing planks, you can have uh, plywood sheets. Midaraisa would all be kosher for schach. Midrabanan, there's something called the gzeras tikra. The Chum were afraid if we allow you to use roofing materials, things that typically are found on a house in a roof, to, to use for schach, you might think, okay, I can just have a so I can just eat my circus meals inside my wooden wooden roofed house as well. What's the difference? What's the difference if I take a two by four and put it on top of the roof for a sukkah? What's the difference if I just eat in my house, which is a, which is which is kosher as a sukkah? People are not going to understand the difference that one of them was put up l'shem sukkah, the other one was just a house and is tasev l'man asui. So there are other problems. With, there might be other problems with that. Therefore, the halacha is even if you even if you take a piece of roofing material and put it on your sukkah in a way 
in a way that was, uh, that should be kasher medaraisa for sukkah, Chazal had exera that the people would come to just live in a regular house for a sukkah, and that wouldn't work. The Gemara says, then the mission, the, the Gemara brings from Tanaim, the Gemara explains, Rashi explains, that a, that a solution to this problem is if you take one of the boards off, just raise it and move it and put it back on, that's okay. Why is that okay? So Rashi explains, because you're demonstrating that you're aware of the issue, you, you're showing that you understand the halacha, and that you're taking concrete action to acknowledge that you understand that living in a house is not a sukkah, and therefore you're not, you're not going to come to be confused. Rabbi Salchanan says, you yourself are not going to be confused, even guests, people in the house, the Gemara says, are not going to be confused, that they'll somehow understand. So Rabbi Salchanan derives from this Gemara a major leniency, that whenever Chazal had a that if we, if we allow A, people might get confused and do B, but if along with A, you do some kind of distinct, noticeable action to show that you understand the concern and you're taking specific action to, our, to acknowledge and to, de- to demonstrate that you're aware of the concern and you won't get mixed up, then Chazal allowed you to, to do it. Therefore, Ritzel Hanan says that certainly applies to a takana, to a minag of the Gaonim, post-Talmudic minag of Kidney, as he says. If a person goes and, and goes through the painstaking and tedious process, of sorting through all his kidneys to make sure there's no grain in them, that is certainly a masa gedola, a, a great uh, substantial action to show that he's aware that chametz is asra on Pesach and kidneys is a special case. That's why he's sorting through his kidneys to make sure there's no there's no grain in it. Therefore, he says. Additionally, you have to prepare the brew house. He says the brayhais. You have to prepare it for Pesach. That's also a great uh, non-trivial action. So by doing these things. You're showing that you're aware, that you're attuned to the concerns of Pesach. And therefore, in such a case, Chazal rolled back the Xera. They said you don't have to worry about confusing kidneys with Pesach, kidneys with, with, with wheat, because you're, you're demonstrating that you are well aware of the laws of Pesach, and therefore you don't have to worry. So the conclusion is if you do, that once you, once you take pains to separate uh, as much as you can as much as you humanly can, the, the wheat, for any wheat, any grain from the kidneys, neither concern of kidneys apply. The, the, the idea that, there'll be, that, the idea that there's, still, there's still wheat there, even if there is, it's such a small amount after you're sorting that it's batel, b'shishim, and it's not chazer v'neir on Pesach, the idea that you'll be confused once you made this major demonstration of your awareness of the laws of Pesach, we don't have to worry, and therefore, and therefore it is... Uh, Therefore, it's fine. Furthermore, he points out, with regard to regular kidneys, a person wants to eat rice. So let's say a person's going to decide that he's going to sort through all his rice and, and make this great uh, demonstration to show that he understands the difference between rice and wheat. Will we allow him to eat rice on Pesach if he's not a Sephardi? Absolutely not, Rabbi Salchanan says. Why? First of all, he says, because sorting through kidneys to get rid of the stuff is, is, is a common thing you do. People want to have pure, pure kidneys and get rid of all the impurities. Also, it's not such a major masa gadol. It's common. It's not such a significant action. He says, however, when it comes to making alcohol out of, the, out of these kidneys, typically they don't sort the kidneys. It's not necessary for this, uh, for this process. And it's very difficult. He says, that is a masa, that is a great, uh, a great step. And that, and also the brewery preparations, the brew house preparations, that is a significant step. And therefore, that allows us to, uh, to produce this alcohol and drink it on Pesach. Furthermore, Ritzel kind of reiterates, kidneys itself is uh, the subject of considerable controversy. 
as he puts it, many gonim reject kitneos entirely. So even though, of course, for Ashkenazim, we have to be strict, he says, but, the, but certainly we have these other mitigating factors, there is basis for leniency. Furthermore, Vitzel Khanan notes an interesting minhag. He says the minhag was, in his, that, that he was aware of, universal minhag, he says, they would actually bake matzahs out of kidneys after sifting through them and trying to remove any grain, uh, after they would do a, a, a good job of trying to do that. They would actually bake matzahs out of kidneys, and those matzahs, they wouldn't be as strict with them as they would with real matzah. They, they wouldn't wait for 18 minutes and so on. So Rizal Khan says he saw someone objected to this. Someone said, Xeris Kidneyos, if, if you're baking the, the matzah in such a way that it wouldn't be okay if it would be wheat, so the Xeris Kidneyos is, we should treat the Xeris to treat Kidneyos the same way that we treat uh, wheat. So if you wouldn't bake matzahs like this, how can you make Kidneyos like this? Says Rizal Khanan, it is fine. Because again, once you're going through the elaborate and painstaking sifting process, that is a Masa Mochiach that shows everyone that. Weed is not okay. Only kidneys is okay. And once you're baking it and preparing it before Pesach, again, it's all batel. After you sift it, there's very little left. Even though there's a little bit left, maybe there's very little. And it's all batel before Pesach. And we don't say chalaz yavaneir once it's made into a matzah. And therefore, this minog to actually bake a kind of bread out of kidneys. He calls it matzah, but he says they wouldn't be careful with all the, with all the stringencies of matzah. That's fine, because there's no chalaz, because it's batel. Whatever weed is left after your painstaking sifting process is Batel, and there's no Chosir Vernayer, and you don't have to worry about people getting confused, because once you've gone through this uh, very painstaking process of sifting, you've amply demonstrated your awareness of the Halacha. We have, we have a Sephardi friend who says that her minog is actually to eat kidneys and rice on Pesach, but she rarely, if ever, does, because She's a God-fearing woman. She says to, to check rice properly, grain by grain, the way, uh, the way the halacha demands, is very, very difficult. It's just not worth it. Rice is not so important to her to eat on Pesach, she says, that it's worth doing all that checking. But if you do do all that checking, Rabbi Solchanan says, you've amply demonstrated that you care about, uh, you understand the difference between kidneys and chamet and, and, and wheat, and it's all bottle before Pesach, and therefore you can bake matzah, or even a kind of bread, it seems, out of kidneys, if you do it before Pesach. He says, we don't bake flour, we don't make kidneys flour that we use on Pesach, because flour, even though you might think it's the same argument, that once that flour is like lach, it's all homogeneous, and it's bottle before Pesach, and it's mutter, he says, there are some postkim, there is a shita in halacha that says that flour is considered yavish by yavish, not considered lach by lach, it would be chazer v'neir. Flour, we say the particles of the flour still retain their dependent existence. Once you've baked it into bread, matzah, once you made it into matzah, he says, that is fine. This is actually, so there is a general consensus, I don't know if we do this today in practice, but there is a general consensus apparently among the achronim, that if you make a kidney as matzah, and you do treat it the same way as matzah, 18 minutes and everything, most posts can say that's fine on Pesach. You want to make rice matzah, go ahead, if you do treat it exactly as matzah. If you don't treat it like matzah, if you can allow it to be out of the oven for more than 18 minutes, and you're, you're not as strict about it as you are with with regular matzah. Ritzel Khanan seems to be claiming, if I understand this chuva correctly, that that was a universal minak, to be lenient even about that. Again, universal has to be taken with a grain of salt. There were some achronim who were machmer. He himself says, Reisi, that somebody was tama, and other achronim are strict about this. But Ritzel Khanan seems to allow even making a kind of rice matzah as long as, again, as long as you go through this very painstaking procedure of 
of stripping out, of removing as much of the, as much of the wheat as you possibly can, because at that point we say whatever's left, even though you, it's likely you miss something, whatever's left is going to be less than 1 in 60, which is bottle before Pesach. Certainly by the time it's become a matzah, it's, it's already lost any independent existence. At that point, it's not going to be chosir v'neir. And by going through the painstaking sifting process, you've demonstrated that you, you understand very well the difference between kitneos and chametz and wheat, and therefore that would be mutter. Uh, so how could you make kitneos matzah if, if it's not one of the five grains? Right, so Simcha's pointing out, this is very important, Simcha's pointing out you can't actually make kitneos matzah that you're going to use for the seder. As a matter of fact, some posts can actually say that one reason not to make kitneos matzah some posts can bring is because some posts can, even if you do wait 18 minutes, some posts can actually were concerned. That's an important point. Thank you, Simcha. Some posts can actually were concerned that you might come to use that for the Seder, a whole new Xera. Not that there's a Xera of Chametz, but there's a Xera that you might think that a rice matzah is kosher for Passover. You know, there's all kinds of exotic matzahs out there. We actually picked up a spelt matzah by mistake. A spelt matzah is fine, but uh, there's oat matzah out there. There's who knows what out there. I'm, I'm sure someone has tried making quinoa matzah at some point. So the... So that that's actually a concern, that someone might make the same mistake Simcha's alluding to and actually think that this matzah is kosher for Pesach, for the Seder, it's absolutely not. When we say you can make uh, rice matzah, make kidneyos matzah, according to these various posts, that means you can eat it for, for other at other times in Pesach, but certainly you cannot be yotze the, the mitzvah of matzah at the Seder with matzah that's not from the Chamesha Samin, including kidneyos. So let's just consider now, that is, that is his first tshuva, Let's just consider briefly his second tshuva, in which he is actually stringent. His second tshuva was, okay, so we've established that you're allowed to make, you're allowed to make liquor out of kidneys, provided his, his proviso that he reiterates throughout the first tshuva is that you have to go through this painstaking procedure of sifting and removing all the wheat that you can possibly find, which will then assure us that there's less than one in 60 and so on. So how do you do this? So he's tempted, people were tempted to uh, say, we can do a sampling. Take your, take your sack of kidneys. You have, a, you, have a, you have a bunch of sacks of 1,000 pounds of kidneys that you want to use for liquor. Take out, uh, how do we test today? We typically, you know, we, we, how do we test anything? We take samples. We, that's how science works. We, we, we assume we have a homogeneous mixture. We pull out a sample. We measure the, the quantity of contaminants in the sample. And then we extrapolate to the, to the, to the percentage in the, in the entire sample. Obviously, that hinges on the assumption that the mixture is homogeneous. That, that, that hinges on the assumption that the percentage of the contaminant in the sample is going to be more or less the same as the percentage of the contaminant in the larger mixture. Sedrovitz Olchanan, that is my question. When we want to check our kidney of stock for wheat to make sure that the wheat is virtually non-existent, is less than 1 in 60, can we, can, we, can we do so by simply taking a sample, a handful or two, and checking the handful, and if the handful has less than 1 in 60 wheat, we'll just assume that the rest of the, the, rest of the kidneys has less than 1 in 60 as well. This would obviously be a huge kula. It is a whole lot easier to carefully inspect one handful of, of kidneys than to check 1,000 pounds of kidneys. So the question was, can we do this? And the question, of course, hinges, as I've said, the question hinges on whether, according to halacha, we have the right to assume that the mixture is homogeneous or not. So I don't know what the physics, what the science says, 
But Rabbi Salchanan argues at length from various Sugis and Shas that this is what the Gemara calls Yesh Bila or Ein Bila. The Gemara has a debate in various places. Bila means mixture or homogeneous mixture. Yesh Bila means that we have the right to assume that a mixture, once we've mixed it well, we have the right to assume that the resulting mixture is indeed homogeneous. Ein Bila means that we have, do not have the right to make that assumption that just because we find that we have to assume the mixture is uneven and consequently whatever sample we take may not have the same. If we divide, if we divide the mixture into two parts or we take a sample, we have no right to assume that the, that the underlying ingredients, of the, that the constituent ingredients of the mixture are present in equal proportions in the two uh, sub-mixtures. Risa Khanan argues that this is actually machlok in the Gemara, whether yesh bila or ein bila. Risa Khanan says, although it's true that there is a sheet in the Gemara that says yesh bila, which would allow us to be lenient in our case, however, he says, that's great. The yesh bila, it's clear from the Gemara, he says, that yesh bila means that we assume the mixture is entirely homogeneous and any subset of the mixture, the constituent ingredients are present in the same proportion as they are present in the overall mixture. However, he says, we have a rivet. The rivet paskins like Shmuel that says Ein Bila except for wine and oil, and therefore we have to be machmer for the rivet that the that we have to say Ein Bila, and we have no guarantee that the constituent ingredients are in the same proportion in the handful that you took out in the sample that you selected as in the rest of the mixture. Rizal Khan develops this point at great length, goes through many several different gemaras and all kinds of rishonim and, and so on. But at the end of the tshuva, this is his final holding, l'chumra. Ladina, he says, it's clear that, based on the rivet, it's clear that we cannot rely on inspecting a sample because, uh, because when it comes to yavesh, we distinguish between lach and yavesh. At least when it comes to yavesh, he says, when it comes to things like kernels of wheat and kernels of chitim, we cannot assume that there's bila, that everything was mixed in homogeneously. I guess if you ground it all up first, maybe, and, and, and you can still inspect it, maybe at that point, uh, maybe it would be possible to, to check. But you can't really check once you've ground it all up. It's, it's hard to check. Certainly, if you're going to inspect your wheat and your kidneys while they're still kernels, at that point, it's called Yavesh. At that point, we say, Ain Bila, we don't rely on Bila. And we say that just because in the sample you took, there, there, is, uh, there is less than 1 in 60 of wheat, there's no guarantee that that is the case for the rest of the mixture as well. And it doesn't help if you take, I guess, one sample or two samples or ten samples. Until you've inspected the, the whole mixture, you're going, you, you have no right to rely on the limited samples that you took. It's, an interesting, it's a very interesting holding because you can argue that statistically, let, let's say, for example, you calculate that in one handful of, uh, one handful of grain of, of the mixture, you have 1,000 kernels or 10,000 kernels. And you find that the mixture is 10,000 to 1. You can calculate the odds that the that in the entire mixture the I, I I didn't work through the math, but that's how statistics works. That's how polling works. The reason they can predict or try to predict presidential elections by polling 1,241 people and say that we have a, we have a mar- we have a confidence level of uh, 95% or more, and we have a margin of error of 3% within one standard deviation or whatever. The reason we can do that is the power of statistics. We can argue that even though it's true. That it's possible that the, the that the sample I took, assuming it's a well-constructed sample, is uh, it, even though it's possible my sample is skewed, but we're not cautious for that because statistics tell us it's overwhelmingly unlikely. So one could really challenge Yitzchak Hanan and say that as long as the samples are carefully chosen chosen to be large enough 
relative to the whole, it should be possible to ascertain to an extremely high and arbitrarily high degree of probability that the overall level in the mixture is less than a certain percentage. But halacha doesn't always work with strict probability. Tavishul says halacha works with these formal legal rules of yesh bila and ein bila. Since the halacha is ein bila, at least when it comes to kernels of grain and kidneyos, we have to be choshesh that the sample is not sufficiently representative. And therefore he says, certainly we're dealing with the chashash daraisa, he says, we're dealing with grain that could be a uh, question of a daraisa. Tavishul Khan says it's min b'she'en amino. So as long as the amount of grain is greater than 1 in 60, it's min b'she'en amino, and that's an isur daraisa. Tam keiker, that, that, that's going to be a midaraisa, not just a chumra of chametz. If the amount of wheat actually exceeds 1 in 60, we're dealing with an isur daraisa, and therefore we cannot rely on sampling. And furthermore, he says, even according to the opinion that says yesh bila in the Gemara, even according to those opinions, that only applies when you have a mixture of two quantities of the same substance that have different halachic statuses, then we say that one is, uh, one, is, one is last year's produce, one is this year's produce, so for Master they have different halachas, then fine, then we say yesh bila. But two different types of things, like wheat and kidneyos, kidneyos and dogon, he says, lekuli alma, we say ain bila, lekuli alma, we cannot assume that a sample is representative, and he seems to assume no matter how large the sample is, it's uh, statistics aside, we don't work with statistics, we have to, uh, we keep saying ain bila, and therefore Lamaisi says, the entire kidneys must be inspected. It is not sufficient to do any kind of sampling procedure to establish that the overall percentage of, of grain is sufficiently low. He adds, however, he gives you one last kula, and then the last, uh, the very end of the chuva, he says, when it comes to sorting out wheat, the case we mentioned earlier, when it comes to sorting out sprouted wheat from unsprouted wheat, there we do actually allow you to rely on sampling, because that, he says, is minbamino. And the same point is made by, in the Sefer Yad Yehuda, a classic work on Yeridea. He also says that the, the halacha is, the minag is, that when you want to inspect wheat to make sure that the percentage of sprouted wheat is less than 1 in 60, we do rely on sampling. We don't uh, check the entire, the entire pile. And that's because, like Rabbi Salchanan says, that's because it is min bimino, where midaraisa, everything is bottled. When you have min bamino, it's all wheat. Some are sprouted, some are not sprouted. It's all considered min bamino. Midaraisa, everything is bottle when it comes to min bamino. We paskin. Everything is only a chumr drabana when it comes to min bamino. When you're dealing with drabanans, they allow you to rely on sampling and bila and the assumption of homogeneity and homogeneity and so on, and that's all fine. But when it comes to min bashainomino, when it comes to kidneyos contaminated with grain, that's a question of a daraisa because if the grain contamination is more than 1 in 60, you're dealing with an Isser Daraisa of Tam Ke'ikr, and therefore sampling is not sufficient, and while he allows you to use kidneyos derivatives and make liquor out of kidneyos, he has a lesser known uh, accompanying halacha, which is that is only mutter if you go through the painstaking inspection of your kidneyos to make sure that you have no or virtually no contamination of wheat, to be assured, uh, and sampling is not sufficient, you have to go through your entire stock of kidneyos to make sure that there are no wheat, that there's no wheat therein, or at the very least, that the amount of wheat is less than 1 in 60.